Today is uh, next to last message in the This Must Be Stronger Than That series. So I pray that we just continue in this, this strong work of God in our lives. You know, it all started in my heart when I read how Dietrich Bonhoeffer was so burdened by what was happening with the Nazi regime and the Hitler vision that was being formed in the next generation. They were just literally removing God from everything. There would be penalties for preaching the gospel, having church. And Bonhoeffer just couldn't accept that. And he gathered a group of people and started what we would call a seminary. And it was about passionate love for Jesus followed by spiritual formation. That would not just be a group of believers holding ground, but taking ground. He had a deep conviction that God was still greater than what was going on in the culture. A friend of his came and observed for three days what was happening among that group. And he said to Dietrich, he said, look, this is way too aggressive. So Bonhoeffer took his friend across a river and up a hillside, and they looked over, and they could see Hitler's effort, the formation happening to live up to a vision that would create the cruelest society the world had ever seen. He pointed back to the seminary, and he said, this must be stronger than that, that the work of God in the believers must be so profound that there would be a response, there would be an influence of change even now. And that just went off in my heart. In the culture that we live in, and I want to read today from a powerful passage of Scripture. This comes from 2 Kings 23, verse 25. Because if this is going to be stronger than that, it's got to activate in you and me. Amen? And the Word says here that neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him, And here it is, who turned to the Lord as he did. He turned. He made a change. He consecrated himself. And it says he turned to the Lord with all of his heart, with all of his soul, and with all of his strength. And he did this in accordance with all the law of Moses. If we want to see the power of God work through us to really impact change, then we, like Josiah, have to turn in consecration with everything that we are. I've been praying over this verse, and and I've prayed it like this. Lord, may we as the assembly turn to you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. Josiah is remembered as someone who turned to God in a profound way, unlike any others. Could it be said of us, this church, your life, my life, that we turn to God with that kind of devotion? Do we agree that the Lord deserves that? Do we agree that the Lord deserves a full heart and full devotion and full surrender? We have looked over the horizon of our culture a moment, and we see that Satan's effort against the church is to minimize spiritual passion. He wants us accepting and comfortable with a mediocre version of faith. Where we make Jesus an accessory and we make the word supplemental 
kind of take it or leave it. It's where we figure out where we want Jesus active in our lives. That's really putting us in authority. We are the Lord of our heart when it should be Jesus being the Lord of our heart. And so we see Satan's effort in this cultural moment to give us that mediocre version of faith. And if that happens, it will render us ineffective. We cannot be the people God wants us to be and do what he wants us to do with a lukewarm heart. The context for Bonhoeffer, it called for a shaping passion for God. Our context needs to shape our calling. There hasn't been a greater spiritual need in this country for at least 70 years than right now. We, for the first time in the American church, are questioning Scripture, things we haven't questioned for 2,000 years. We are living in a very strategic moment. I've got a picture in my heart. It comes from the Chilean Valley where it's the driest place on earth, like hardly any rain, and it is a parched place. It is so like another planet that they send the Mars rover robotics there to train. Land is really cheap there because it is desolate. But what's fascinating is that under the surface of the parched ground are some 200 different flowers. And when, on those rare occasions, there's a concentration of rain, there's what they call a super bloom. I'll give you a, a comparison. Here's the picture. So you see the desert. Concentration of rain, super bloom. You can hardly imagine that that super bloom would be possible that all of that potential could exist beneath the surface, but it does. And when the rain reaches the certain amount, germination happens and harvest comes. So my, my heart is to take this as a prophetic vision, a vision that says right now culture is like a desert, but the seed of evangelism, the seed of spiritual formation, the seed of worshiping the one true God is just beneath the surface. We can't control the rain, but we can consecrate ourselves to God. And when we draw near to God, he draws near to us. I stand in front of you today with, with a bold conviction that we don't have to let these times happen to us. We can happen to these times. The pastors that are on our team, the, the school administrators, our teachers, our coaches, we, we must be settled in this conviction that God hasn't called us to just manage a spiritual desert. I don't want to stand before God and say in my pastoral ministry, Lord, it was just lamenting lukewarmness. Not for a second is that our call. My passion and my call is to see people saved at a rate as never before. Like they say something fascinating about this picture that you see is that for some reason, 
when there is this concentration of rain, there is acceleration. And that's why they call it a super bloom. It's not just the amount, but it's how fast and how magnificent. So my visionary picture is that God would work in such a way that it accelerates the things that we're praying for. We not only see people saved, we see thousands of people saved. Come on, get with me today. We not only see a pocket of spiritual hunger, but there's a a corporate hunger for God like we've never seen before. Come on, church. You say, how, how can we live that out? Well, Josiah is the example. He teaches us that what consecration means is to rip sin out by the root. We're not just saying, Lord, I'm sorry for my behavior. We're saying, Lord, let's get to the root of what's causing the behavior. Josiah, he was unlike the other kings. The other kings at times saw the conviction settle in and people would, would repent at a level for their behavior, but they would not remove the idols. And when you don't remove the idols, then your repentance is shallow and the evil just routes right back because the root cause is still there. And Josiah, in this chapter that talks about his turning to God, it also says that he just started cleaning house spiritually. Of the idols, some of them, it says that he just tore them down. They would have these high places, they called them, and it's where sinful activity would happen. And so, unlike the past where they would repent but leave those places, he went and tore them down. Of other idols, it says he ground them into powder. That's radical. He's like, this is not going to create distraction spiritually ever again. Of other idols, it says he drugged them outside of Jerusalem and he burned them. I want you to see that this was a man on a mission. That this is a man showing us a picture of turning to God with everything where you're not just looking at the behavior that's sinful, but you're saying, let's get to the cause and let's rip it out by the root. In our day, there are so many present-day idols. A few of them are approval and power, control, and pleasure. And until we rip these idols down, then our repentance is going to be short-lived. See, I love to talk about us being a a difference-making church. I love to attach our faith to the power of God being greater than the power of evil. I love to celebrate with you that sense of opportunity that is in front of us. But the formation that that opportunity requires, the consecration that that opportunity requires is what we're talking about today. This is where God does something beneath the surface so that there really can be a development of the godly potential that is just beneath the surface. 
This is where you and I say, Lord, be the Lord of all, because until God uproots those idols, until he becomes the one, and here it is, whose approval we seek, whose power we trust in, whose control we depend on, and whose pleasure we live for. Any changes that we make to our behavior are superficial and short-lived. So let me tell, let me, let me say it to you just in a little different way. So I get passionate for God and I'm living, Lord, for your approval. In other words, I just want to honor you. Your consecration doesn't earn the love of God. Your consecration honors the love of God. And so when you consecrate yourself before him, you're just living with the favor of God. When you are consecrating yourself, you're walking in the power of God. You don't have to manipulate through human effort to try and control things. No, you're dependent on his power. You are after God being in control. That's lordship. And your, your pleasure is honoring him. See, that's the formation that will lead to ripping sin out by the root. Then when that happens, there is that space. You've removed the bad. Now you got to replace it with the good. Because if we don't, again, that sin will just route right back and it may be worse than the first. And so Josiah, he moves from just tearing down all these idols. He said, we got to get the temple open again. And when they reopen the temple, it too had been filled with idols. Can you imagine? Like, evil behavior happening in the, in the temple. And so he orders a cleansing of the temple. And what he's showing to us is that there will always be a war for the center. Your heart is the center. And there will be a war for the center. And in that day, the temple was the center of spiritual activity. And so Josiah is making sure that place is cleaned out. But what he's doing is he's restoring worship to God. See, when you get all the bad out, you've got to put the good in. And it starts with your God, your God alone. I will have nothing in front of you, nothing above you, nothing beside you. I will honor you. That is worship. We're going to worship. We're all worshipers. It's just a matter of what we worship or who we worship and like Josiah, we learned that consecration is about saying, I will win this war of the center. Jesus will be the Lord of my heart. Whatever is at the center will shape identity, cultivate affection, and set priorities. That's why this is this is the word that moves us to a place of experiencing the power of God in and through us that's stronger than the power of this cultural moment. Because when God gets to shape our identity, when our affections are cultivated to God and our priorities of how we live our life are set by him and his word, then your spiritual intensity is matching the intensity of spiritual decline. And we take ground. So while they are cleaning out the temple, 
it is very interesting to see that the, some of the team members, they come to Josiah and they have a book. And they say, we found this in the temple. And it was the word of God. They had lost the Bible. Josiah opens it and it's the book of Deuteronomy. It's the covenant promises of God that say, if you live a certain way, here's what God will do. You honor God and blessing will come. And there is bringing the word back central among the people. And what a picture. You say, well, we haven't lost the Bible. Maybe not actually, but we may have lost it by neglect. Because having a Bible and being a person who reads the Bible, that's two different things, isn't it? I know how easy it is to go a day and think about God, but really not concentrate in on the Word of God. And when there is no spiritual passion to take in the Word, then there's no spiritual formation. I love 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. It says, through these, He has given us very great and precious promises. Talking about the Word. And it's through them that we participate in the divine nature. That is awesome right there. It's how we walk in the power of God that's greater than the power of evil. This is how we escape the corruption that is in the world that is caused by evil desires. Satan knows if we get in the word of God, promises are going to come into our lives. Destiny is going to be activated. And we really become a threat to the darkness that is all around us. So he wants us to ignore the word. He wants us to to be so influenced by secularism that now places man above the word and turns it into just a book of philosophy. I've said to the Bible teachers at Summit and to all of our staff, there may be an English book, there may be a math book that's a textbook but the Bible's not a textbook. The Bible is the living word of God. It is different than any other book. And that is why we do what's called Bible engagement here at the church. It starts this Wednesday. And in this cultural moment, we're going to start right here. The Bible is God's word. Secularism has placed man as authority over the word, so man gets to determine what it means. There's nothing that's a greater mockery to God than man placing himself as the authority over the authoritative word. I just submit to you that the Bible is the infallible, inspired, inerrant word. It is the moral authority. The key is we got to engage that, that power. The Bible is true. The Bible is true all by itself. It stands on its own. And I don't care what someone tries to do to progress the theology. Those are lies. I'm telling you, the Bible is true. Therefore, it can be my guide. The, the first three weeks, the Bible is the word of God. The Bible is true. The Bible is my guide. Week four, we're going to talk about God being the one true God. Now, secularism says that 
you can believe that there's one true God, but just keep that to yourself. It's the privatization of our faith. And it pushes us into our corner. Watch it unfold. Culture hates what we're doing today. The enemy hates what we're doing today and wants to push this into like a private place in our heart. And you come if you want to. It's a take it or leave it until lukewarmness takes over the church and the world is caught in chaos. We'll continue on how God cares about us and God is eternal and Jesus is Lord. And this is our heart to say, God, your word is not supplemental. Your word is not an accessory. It is essential. And we want to participate in the divine nature by taking the word into our heart. Consecration doesn't earn God's love. It honors God's love. I want to ask the worship team to return today, and we're going to submit our hearts to this process. Josiah was not perfect, but Josiah was surrendered. Josiah was radical. Josiah was intentional. And he provides a picture that we could turn to God with that same intentionality. Let me put the picture back up for you. All the possibilities. It's there ready to burst forth. If enough of us consecrate ourselves, our city can look like that harvest. Our country can look like that harvest. Right now, it looks like what you see, it's desolate. But we're here with a heart for God to call on God to resist mediocrity and to believe that this is our moment and we seize this opportunity and we submit this season to consecration to Jesus, we seek the Lord. The Word of God says, seek the Lord, and it says, sow to yourselves righteousness, break up the fallow ground, and God will come and reign righteousness. Our part is consecration, His part is to do the supernatural. And so I want you to stand with me, everyone. I want you to close your eyes in the presence of God. And if this is going to be stronger than that in our moment, it starts with that turning. If in any way you need to turn your heart to the Lord with all of your heart, all of your soul, Start doing that right now. You do that with repentance to say, Lord, I'm getting below the behavior to the root and I want want God for you to put the ax to the root of the tree. I want to live in victory. I want to live in consecration and experience transformation. God, I will not let this cultural moment occupy the center of my heart with its influence, I will only allow that place to be occupied by worship and the Word. So right there, you're saying, Lord, I'm not going to neglect the Word. I'm not going to have the Bible 
but never read the Bible. I'm going to open the Word and I'm going to put my heart in the Word for the, the potential that there is of participating in the divine nature. Look over the horizon with the eyes of your heart. These days are dark, but there's hope. And it's a church in love with Jesus, living for Jesus, believing the word and practicing those beliefs, applying the word and living in that vitality that comes from God. The only hope is for the church to be stirred and sanctified, consecrated, given fully to Jesus. That is when we'll shatter the darkness with the light, love, and hope that there is in Jesus. God, we stand here today and ask if you would see in our hearts what you saw in Josiah that it would be said of the assembly that we turn to you with everything, everything, God. You are Lord. You are the Lamb. You are the King. You rose and you reign. You're the one true God. Your word is true. You are our guide, counselor, you're our comforter. You're the one who cares for us, knows us, and can really help us. Lord God, I pray that those promises would so get embedded in our heart that then we would embed truth in this culture. I pray that your word would so get embedded in our heart that it would activate the destiny that we were created to live that we would live in the dream and the vision of those works you ordained for us to accomplish. That God, we would have the kind of faith that can look at all that's happening and still believe in the potential that is just before coming forth by the power of the Holy Spirit through a consecrated church. Lord, be the center of every heart and every home represented in this room. Let us be as radical in our love for you as we have ever been. To where we so want to honor you, we will be radical with anything that would try to keep us from that relationship. I want us to worship. And I want us to worship out of the prayer we just prayed. I intentionally ended early because I want there to be this, this work of God as we worship and just let worship once again be the center. I'm not talking about singing. I'm talking about life. We will sing. But in this worship, you're saying, you will be the Lord of my life. 
I gladly surrender myself to you. I am desperate for you. As we worship, we are declaring the truth in this room. How long has it been since you were literally trembling on the inside? Because the glory of God was so strong in the place that you knew it. And the power of God is at work in the church. We don't have to talk ourselves into consecration. We become desperate for it. As the deer pants after the water, so we long after you, God. Our souls are thirsty for you. Oh, we need you. We need you. Let your presence fill this place. Let your presence occupy this entire room until your glory captivates our full attention and our total surrender. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's lift our voices and worship in consecration today.